30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard As a wizard, I believe in taking silly things seriously and serious things seriously. There's a special sort of absurdity that when approached with sincerity, makes the world a more magical place. San Francisco wizard Danielle Baskin understands this space well. She's crashed software conferences with groups of roaming wizards, confused Costco shoppers with signs for out-of-stock magical items, and is the sort of person who keeps a spreadsheet of upcoming pranks. Her prolific approach to practical jokes and playful ideas has rendered her as a performance entrepreneur of sorts, seeing her start companies determine which ideas are worth pursuing, whether that's a voice-based social media startup, a hand-painted bicycle helmet business, or slapping corporate logos on assorted fruit. Recently, Danielle and I joined forces to promote the bi-coastal wizard alliance, Wizards of the Coast, which is not related to any other similarly titled gaming organizations. We came together last weekend to create a magical gathering in San Francisco, celebrating the launch of Wizard Chat, the world's first phone service connecting wizards around the world for divination, conversation, and conjuration. You can sign up for Wizard Chat at wizardsofthecoast.org. And we also have some special bonus content recorded live at the Wizards of the Coast Magic Gathering, available at patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual. But before we get into all that, Let's tune into Danielle's unique magic frequency and all the wonderful ways she's bringing wizardry to the Bay Area and beyond. Well, hello, Danielle. Hello, Devin. Welcome to Ritual Space. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here right now. Oh, yeah. We're in San Francisco. We're getting ready to have the Wizards of the Coast by Coastal Magic Summit. Yeah, it's happening soon. It's happening soon. It even soon. has an article about it. It has an article. I mean, well, it has one article about it now, but if yeah. people are listening in the future, there might be a lot more articles. Yeah. About it. This it, could be. We should get articles from the past about it. We should get art, like, we should create fake media from the future. Recording events. No, recording events that have happened at Wizards of the Coast in like 2002. You oh, know? right, right. We've got to build yeah. the backlog. Yeah. So before we get too into this let's let's start let's let's synchronize the vibrations what's our magic word gonna be the word that came to me was clamor clamor Ooh, i like that <laughs> yeah one two three clamor, clamor. Mm. why do you think clamor came to you i think it's because of um my recent trip to costco mm-hmm. uh that word being used to describe lots of people wanting things at once with it also evokes that the word clamor makes me think of the word clink yeah. and like i imagine that people are sort of knights or wearing heavy armor and battling to get things oh yeah <laughs> so please just tell us about your recent visit to costco oh i'll this, elaborate this, this because this is relevant to this point in time uh coronavirus time yep um 
yeah, Costco's across the world are becoming sold out of water and rice and beans and anything. Or if you think like the whole city is going to shut down and I'm stuck inside for a month, how do I survive? Um, and which I which I think is sort of ridiculous. I mean, at what point will everyone decide like, okay, now's the time I need to open up these beans and yeah. and try them? And I don't think restaurants will shut down from the virus. Um, but I thought it'd be kind of interesting to imagine a world where the all the resources for magical items were sold out, like runes and tarot decks mm-hmm. uh, and orbs. Um, and so realizing that there's empty shelves at Costco I made signage that looks exactly like existing Costco signage but I made it for only magical items and I went to Costco and I put up the signs everywhere even signs that say like oh like we're out of bags of runes today which which mirrored the signs in other Costco's that said like we are out of toilet paper right (laughs) uh so that people would think like oh well there's so much fear. People are getting all the magical items. Uh, I mean, they need hope. <laughs> if there was some sort of crisis and you could get magical items at Costco, they would be they would be fast sellers. Like totally. Yeah. Like who needs water if you can just get dowsing rods? A dowsing I, rod. I put the dowsing rods right next to the water. Right. Yeah, but they're sold out. So <laughs> got to make your own. <laughs> Someone said like I tried making my own, but it doesn't look like the Pinterest version. Yeah. That's why I go to Costco. Cause it's like you know looks better. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then this has been this this was this prank is so delightful, and it just got picked up by Business Insider, like literally, like <laughs> yeah, which is a strange publication to pick this up. I'm, yeah. I'm glad they're like covering wizardry. I now. mean, Business Insider, I would understand, like they, you know, they constantly are bugging <laughs> totally, me to be on the cover, totally, but totally. Um, it just hasn't worked out with our schedules. But yeah. Business Insider is a different one. But. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, they refer to me as Bay Area Wizard instead I'm- of like. CEO or founder, which is what their articles normally are. Just a very boring title. And what does that even mean? But um, would you call yourself a Bay Area wizard? I do. I have been. Yeah. I have been for the last few years um, and, in some contexts. And how did, uh, so like, I'm always curious because obviously the word wizard means a lot to me. Yeah. And like resonated and struck a chord. How did, like, how did the idea of wizardry come to you and yeah. you find yourself drawn into it? It's interesting. Yeah, I think I I didn't use that word. I have been doing tarot and divination, and I um I think I used to use the word mystic or divinator mm. uh, or diviner yeah. or um. Divinator is a fun twist. Divinate. I say divinator, but someone I've heard other people say diviner, so I've kind of switched in the last year. Yeah. As a divinator, like I divination. use diviner, but I like divinator. divinator. Yeah, <laughs> divinatrix. Divinatrix. Yeah. Um, and I. I think I switched to Oracle when Oracle Open Worlds came to San Francisco um, because I wanted to, like, we, we did a thing where we went to Oracle Open Worlds. So what is wizards. Oracle Open World? Um, Oracle Open Worlds is normally uh, the huge software conference yeah. for Oracle cloud, cloud software. So, yeah, like a big cloud. It is, it is a very boring thing. SaaS product that, yeah. like, air, like, like industry uses it's less cool than salesforce b2b <laughs> it's it's yeah it's, very... it's less cool than salesforce <laughs> which is kind of saying something yeah um and everyone hates when oracle open world comes to town i think a lot of people there don't even want to be there they're just required to go yeah. but it's like thirty thousand people and they wow. shut down part of the city for it there's traffic like all the airbnbs are are totally booked um and i saw a giant it's signs. like south by southwest for like 
really boring yeah. techie engineer stuff. Yeah. And I didn't know, I actually had no idea Oracle Open World was a thing. I had just moved here and I was, I had lived here for, I don't know, uh, maybe like a few months. And I saw these giant signs that just said Oracle, like yeah. big red letters that said Oracle. And I just thought, oh, the Oracle's coming. <laughs> that sounds great. Like, I'm so excited to it's go. It's been foretold. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to meet the Oracle. And then I was thinking like, oh, why not um, have an event for all the Oracles? Like, I know some other people that practice divination. Um, and we could just go here. And I uh, got the domain name oracleopenworld.org. They have the .com, and yeah. I created an event as though the as though uh, the conference center was double booked, right? Like, we didn't know that they were having their software <laughs> conference, and they didn't know it was a gathering of Oracle, and there was so much confusion. Yeah. But like, hey, do you want a tarot reading? Right. Um, and so first year, we didn't have badges and snuck in and got kicked out, but we hung out on the sidewalk. I've been doing this for four years, yeah. so we've got we've improved our game to stay in there for as long as possible. Okay, so year one, tell me about year one. Yeah, like, do you, do you guys, you got some wizard robes together. Yeah, so actually, going back to your question, why the term wizard? Uh, I was trying to convince friends to come and join me, and I thought wizard was the most accessible term to um, help people understand what we're doing. Like, Amen. I was like, hey, wizards come to this thing oracle didn't sound right for some reason wizard also evoked a specific costume yes um a mystic is a little bit harder to pull off like i i I couldn't even think right now what someone would have to be wearing to walk into the room and i go whoa that's clearly a mystic right yeah like diviner i don't know um so yeah wizard like evoked rope like wear a rope Mm -hmm. and also we're going to be doing not necessarily divination stuff, but any form of magic. Like it doesn't have to be specifically, um, I'm here to consult you on your future, but you can do something else. Yeah. Uh, and I told everyone to research some magical method, like go to the library and get a book about something occult and research it the weekend before so that you can go practice. We're going to like have 30,000 people to practice this on. I mean, like there's like a Wikipedia list of all the different forms of divination. Yeah. And it's, it's astounding. Like, and they all have fun names. It's yeah, like phobias. Totally. Uh, some people decided to choose something, but so many people made up their own thing. Beautiful. Um, and they created their own wizard identity. Uh, someone made a wizard, like soda wizard hat that covered his face completely, but then like had mesh for his eyes and he wanted to not be sighted. He wanted to seem like he couldn't see anything, but yeah. he could, he went up to people and just had them ask him a question and he would like, like it was like a big he, wizard hat that just covered his whole head. <laughs> yeah. And he had a long cape and he ended up doing, yeah, th- this is a funny story. This is, um, this was the second year we did this. And it's a reason why we got kicked out. We had been there for like five hours. And uh, this is my friend Brian. Uh, and he has, his face is completely covered, which is now a policy. No one yeah. can cover their face at Oracle Open World. But um, he was talking to, he went up to the Deloitte booth and he was asking the team like what their, what difficulties they were facing. And um, this was, uh, I don't know why, but someone said like, our, our project manager died a few weeks ago and that's been really hard for us at work, which I wouldn't think they'd be that honest in, yeah. in this context, but I, maybe because he had no eyes. The, the wizard brings it out. Yeah, and he's like, well, let's talk to him. 
and he was very like cheerful about it he's like well, let's talk to him and let's like br- let's bring him to the conference and he had never led a seance before yeah he needs to find something to create like a seance environment so he's like i'll be right back and he wanders around the expo hall looking for like pillows it like takes random pillows from like lounge areas Mm -hmm. and then he finds an area that has um like tea light candles uh because it's like lighting up some cafe area and he takes them all and he brings them back to Deloitte and he takes all the pillows random pillows and makes a circle with it and then puts the tea light candles in the center and then he has the people at the booth and it's like eight people sit down and he stands in the center and he's like and they're down for it that's amazing they're down yeah uh i mean what else is it happening that day yeah (laughs) they don't want to be there they're all screaming like help me on the inside yeah um and they also trusted him yeah and he believed in himself at that moment and maybe too much because he stands in the center and in a booming voice, you know, like he, he yeah. starts and I wasn't there to witness it, but he starts enchanting something and he's trying to bring the De- Deloitte PM back and he's wearing a bright rainbow cape and this scene of people sitting in a circle and his booming voice like trigger like the security camera now sees us mm-hmm. before we were kind of like blended in in a way mm-hmm. with the like thousands of people who were there but now they see it and so there's an alert out to like find this guy what is he doing this is like what what's happening so security comes over and for some reason my my friend they like pull him aside messes up the seance and they like say what are you doing and for some reason he said like he made up some fake business he was part of. So they think they thought that he snuck in to do marketing. And it wasn't sure that wasn't the case at all. He thought that he was trying to sneak in to market a product and didn't pay for a booth, right? Yeah. And and he also said, um, I'm doing it with a team. Yeah. He's like, me and my team are here. He tried to he tried to blend in by being businessy as opposed to like saying I am a wizard. Right. Um, tried to act official. And he got he got kicked out, then tried to call me, but I was in the middle of tarot readings and I had a long line. And uh, there was some alert. When they were dragging him out, they found other people wearing capes. So then there was alert an alert out to all of the security guards to find the wizards or <laughs> like the people wearing the capes and kick them out. Um, that they're, they're there and they didn't, they're, they snuck in. Um, and this so, is like the wizard I, version. Like the witches will talk about like never again the burning times. And like <laughs> this is our thing. We're like never again the security guards. Yeah, well the security guards got this message and three, they had all there was nothing else happening. So yeah. they had all the security guards on this task. Three guards like wearing their walkie talkies, wearing yeah. all black, came up to me while I had a long line for tarot readings, and they're like, "You have to come with us." And I had no, I didn't have any context for yeah. why. And I said, "Why?" And they're like, "We don't know. We just were told that we, if yeah. you're wearing the cape, you can't be here." Yeah. And so they dragged me away. But like some people are like, "Oh no, I wanted a reading. Will you be back tomorrow?" And I'm like, "I don't think I can. I don't think I'll be yeah. back tomorrow." So they escorted us off the premises. See, I, I, I'm excited to hear about what happened next year. But the immediate mm-hmm. thought that I had was like, "Oh, next year you should have your own like mage hunter security guards that you put in that are like trying." Yeah, to- I think like putting in our own security team. Yeah, would be great to interface with their security team. Like yeah. we like walkie talk. Polo, like maybe they're wearing like the polo shirt and pants, but it's like purple. Right, it's not black. Yeah, 
it's like mage mage security yeah um and maybe the walkie talkies are like sparkly in some way oh i love that. um but yeah how did you get in that year like how did you solve the badge problem oh we i i got badges for everyone okay uh i found some like code on twitter for some like i I got free the free badge that led ah. us into the expo hall, and then we had fake badges on top of the real badges. Yeah. So if anyone was like, "Are you really supposed to be here?" We could swap them out. Yeah. Um. The ba- the fake badges were rope. Were like made of rope mm-hmm. and had like a very old looking logo. Yeah. And we all had different titles, like illusionist, and people could choose these their own were title. these were badges that you had for the other Oracle yes. open world, but yes. then you had the second. We had or- a second yeah. badge underneath. And we also had our own uh, tote, bat, like um, canvas totes with our yeah. own logo. And then we also had a map of uh, of Moscone Center, but it was all wrong. There was like a forest. It was all <laughs> totally wrong. As though like, wait, what? I, I think that something's off with this location, but we could, we could go up to like the info desk and ask yeah. for help. Yeah. But then there's like the observation tower. Like, what's that? Wild. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So year two. So then... That's year two. Yeah, that's year two. Yeah. Yeah. And then how did year three and four go? Year three, I had this idea that like Larry Ellison, uh, the one of the wealthiest person, one of the wealthiest people in the world Mm -hmm. was going to be speaking keynote. He is the, I think he was the CEO of Oracle, but now he's just like, I don't know, some exec. Yeah. Um, He has his own island that's covered in cats. Whoa. You can read about you can read about Larry All Ellison's right. island covered in cats. I mean, uh, Cat Island seems pretty wizardy. I think totally. Yeah. I he is uh he is a wizard. Maybe yeah. a, I think he's sort of a dark wizard. Yeah, There's, uh, that's definitely a thing in the world right um, now. I mean, if you have so much wealth, you have you have magical abilities. Absolutely. Uh, and he's never alone. You're no one's ever allowed to meet with him. I learned the previous year that you can never be alone with Larry Ellison because once you're that wealthy, anyone wants ever people want to kill you. Whoa. <laughs> and he also is in a tower. Like he's always like his office is like the top of a building. Yeah. And you have to like be escorted through a series of elevators. It's really hard to like actually meet him. Nobody so, like, meets Larry a- Ellison. Not, nobody not know how. <laughs> Exactly. And so I thought like, well, maybe we should be a group of wizards that like are here to um, sort of make Larry aware that he's a wizard. Yeah. And so I thought we'd go into the keynote. Like there was like 10 of us that, that year. I thought we'd go into the keynote and I had a glowing, I had like a, I got a staff and like a glowing orb. Beautiful. And I thought when he got out on stage, we'd all stand up and start chanting. Yeah. And we'd all be placed at different points. Be After people's clap, we would linger beyond the clap and just like chant like Larry, Larry, or, yeah. and then, or maybe some other spell. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then people would sort of be aware, like Larry's a wizard. Right. Uh, anyway, we were, um, in line to go to the keynote <laughs> and some security comes up to us and they're like, sorry, you have to take off your capes. And I said like, oh, why? And they're like, well, it covers your, it covers, it's covering your face and we don't know who you are. I was like, oh no, it's not really covering, it's not really covering my face. Then more then we're, we're like giving them some trouble saying like, no, we want to keep on our costumes. More security comes over and they're like, you guys can't be here. At yeah. all. Like you guys have to leave. And I said, why? And they're like, there was an incident last week. 
there was an incident last year with pe- the people dressed up as wizards and there was all this trouble and they got kicked out and you're not allowed back. But you're like, like the story, I was like, who, who is who? that? I was like, I have no idea. Must have been some other wizards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it was. Some troublesome mages, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Um, not us, we are but humble sorcerers. Yeah, so like, oh, we're just fans. <laughs> we are just humble and open sorcerers. Totally. Anyway, we got kicked out then at that point. Oh. We couldn't even go in to see the keynote without our capes. So that rem- plan that, was thwarted. <laughs> that reminds me, I, um, I had a meeting with a friend in New York and I was going to go, they worked at Amazon. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to wear my wizard robes because this will make yeah. it a lot more fun. And I was waiting in the Amazon offices right next to the um, Empire State Building. So I was like, oh, I haven't been to the Empire State Building since I've lived here. Let me go up in the Empire State Building dressed as a wizard. This will be a fun little adventure. And I got most of the way like through their long entrance thing and then someone looked at me and goes is this a religious garb Mm. and I was like I mean sure yeah kind of you know and like was like vague when I should have been like yes right yes it is uh and then he was like if it's a costume you can't go up I was like well it's definitely a religious garb then and then they Mm. then like the the wall came down and and they would not and it sucked because it was there was a bunch of people that were like, I want to let him up. Like, this right. is fine. But like the the one security guard that had decided, no, no one was willing to why budge are, on it. I wonder why you're not allowed to wear a costume. So they can, I think yeah. they, I think partially because they don't want um, all of the costumed riffraff that swarms touristy things. And mm. then he told me a story about having like they had a bunch of Hell's Angels that had their biker uh, like yeah. insignia and they wouldn't let them up. Really? Yeah, because they're like, we couldn't have a bra. And I'm like, I don't think... I, th- <laughs> I don't think Hell's Angels are like meeting for a rumble at the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah. I wish. That'd be awesome, but I don't think so. Oh, and that's why funny. you need a wizard here to like defend yeah. if that's, you know. I mean, yeah, I think saying like you have to wear it. Yeah. Because it's part of your religion. Though it, it is, that's not true. But. Yeah. All right. So then yeah. year four. Oh, yeah. Year four. Um, we didn't. Tried, we didn't try to go to the keynote. Yeah. Um, we just tried to remain in the main uh, conference hall. But I, I brought, I think, people that were like working on new tarot decks and um, other. I actually, I think that year I encouraged inventing new methods of divination. Yeah. And uh, maybe 20 people showed up. But something that we did differently um, the last year uh, was instead of like, all dispersing ourselves and having our own individual adventures we did more group activities uh which was a lot of fun yeah to um come like to come up with magical ideas together and improvise felt very special because we could witness um we could like witness uh different things that each person was doing right with getting that person to respond in a way and so it was such a helpful learning experience that felt like a real conference the last year we did like a group we did group tarot readings but we did them in a unique way where we used like three different decks and had them pull one from each each deck classic and then we like we were giving people advice collectively which was super interesting there's something i think uh like one of the ways that I think about magic is consensus reality. And if there's three of us in a room and two of us agree that the cup is blue and then one of us is like, I think it's red, we then will probably decide that person is colorblind or they're just incorrect and like the consensus Mm. rules. And when you are in an environment where you have that additional leverage of other people, I, I bet that helps Yeah, get people, like they can step into your magical reality that you've created rather than 
your one individual that's trying to totally. pull them out of this boring world. And you're going to get some people that are excited because they spot that novelty in the crowd and they're like, this is cool. Yeah. I don't want to be here. This totally. is exciting. But there's a lot of other people who are like, I'm here to collect business cards. What is this silly thing? Totally. And then, well, right. If you're alone, you sort of have to defend yourself. Yeah. Uh, and if you're with a group of people, they could uh, sort of be funny and improvise. Like if someone's confused. Yeah. Um, and asks you like, like, why are you wearing a robe? Then the other person could say like, oh, is something wrong with your robe today? Like, yeah. I don't know, something like where this is normal for us. Yeah, you can kind of spin it back yeah. where it's like you're like, if you're one person confronting three wizards in robes, where we're like, we thought it said formal attire. Yeah, totally. Where, yeah, where, where where's your robe? Like right. now you're the weird yeah, one. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So as you did this over the four years, how did how did like your own relationship to the idea of wizard uh, transform? Yeah, I think um, I became so way more comfortable uh, getting total strangers to just open up to me about whatever issues they're facing. Yeah, uh, I think the first year I was a bit ner- like I had done. I when I lived in New York, I used to like sit on my stoop in the East Village and uh, do tarot readings on people. Um, but I was less confident and I would say like, oh, I'm just like kind of learning. And, um, I think like needing to be very performative at this thing because like I had to be the leader of an established conference. I had to be like, uh, just super confident in my delivery. And I realized that that sort of worked. And so I think that, um, after doing, even after doing the first conference, I was way more comfortable just like coming up with random divination things on the spot. Yeah. Uh, even like while hiking, like while hiking with friends. Um, <laughs> I've done this a few times. I'm on a hike with friends and we reach like the overlook. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, guys, it's time for the, yeah. it's time for the chant. Yeah. I'll be like, okay, we all have to hold hands. I make them like focus on a particular branch and we, I, like just make things up but i do it in a very like confident manner yeah um confidence and and playfulness i think are very key because the confidence kind of helps people like it reassures them that like yeah we can do this like this person knows what they're doing i'll follow along and the playfulness removes some of those um guards and defenses of like oh no like what's going on here i'm going out on a limb it's like no we're having fun it's okay yeah but it's cool i think like in i mean i i guess we can get into actual sort of belief in in magic uh but like a few times i've done i've like invented a spell yeah uh i can give you a specific example um i was hiking with friends at night and i thought we should do and it was a full moon and i thought um we should do some sort of like meditation on the moon. And uh, we um, all stood in a line and we had to like face a certain direction for the shadow. I don't know what yeah. I said. And I had everyone look up at the sky, but then close their eyes. Mm-hmm. And I forgot what I wanted people to reflect on, but we all had to close our eyes for a minute. And then when we opened our eyes and looked at the moon, you know, sometimes the moon gets like a halo thing around it that had happened in like the moment that our eyes were closed. And like, I think moments. uh, Well, that's that's called a moon dog, right? Is that what it is? I don't know the term for it. It has to do with the fog and I don't know. It had like a a series of rings. Yeah. um, Which like, you know, tripped everyone out. Uh, And I think that I've had moments like that happen where I'm, I, I feel like I'm pretending or I feel like I'm just, you know, making something up, but I do have an intention in it. And then like something unexpected happens and I can't possibly explain it. 
that is, I think, the core of magic is is doing that thing a little bit hesitantly, a little bit like, all right, like, you know, just doing this because it seems like a, a fun yeah. idea. And then that moment where uh, something kind of skips the tracks and you're like, whoa, yeah. how that actually came together. Wow, that's amazing. Totally. Yeah. yeah. How has how has your relationship to magic changed in your life since you've been doing this? Um, it's interesting. I used to when I was a kid, I believed in lots of supernatural powers. Um, I talked to ghosts. I would try to get like answers for tests by communicating with like abstract spirits and would um, occasionally have luck with like guessing numbers for things. Okay. Um, but like was skeptical too, but I, yeah. like, I don't know. I think I, I think I grew out of, at some point I grew out of like thinking that I had <laughs> divine powers. Yeah. This was like ages, I don't know, seven to nine. And I think. It's oh, a good time to have divine yeah, powers. Yes. Um, the veil is thin. Then, yeah. Then I got really interested in, I played lots of video games and MMOs, which have magic in it. Yeah. So I was sort of LARP being like, you know, uh, like a sorcerer, but in a LARP way. Yeah. Um, and, but like used those terms in real life. Yeah. Uh, even though I was playing RuneScape uh, with different runes and like en- enchanted armor, I would like describe objects as enchanted. Um, and I think, I don't know, throughout when I was a teenager, I didn't do anything with divination. I like was very logical and yeah. um, uh, sort of didn't. Yeah, I didn't do I wasn't into tarot. I wasn't into witchcraft and stuff. And I didn't play any video, any sorts of magical video games at that point. Uh, but then I stumbled into tarot when I was 19. I didn't really know how tarot worked. And I had a business painting bicycle helmets and I um, was thinking of like ideas of of uh, scenes to paint on helmets mm-hmm. that are round, like the earth or an apple or a solar system. And then I just had this idea uh, because I was at, I was at some craft fair and um, uh, someone came up to me and said like, Oh, uh, was just talking to me and she said she was a tarot reader and I said uh, oh do you want a tarot card on your helmet and then I had the idea like oh I should make an entire deck of helmets wow. that are tarot cards and uh, distribute them in New York City so that when I'm riding my bike I will get a reading yeah right because sometimes I had done I think at that point I had probably released like 80 helmets into the world and somewhere in New York and I'd stumble into them and it would feel special like if I'm on the Williamsburg Bridge and I see like my sky helmet passed me. It's like, whoa, yeah, this is a cool day. And then I thought, well, what if you add another layer to that and you get the three of swords and that has a meaning, but I didn't know what tarot was at that point. And so I got a deck and started researching them and then like started painting the helmets. And then I went to tarot conferences to try to sell them. Then I had barter, like some tarot readers were like, I can't afford this, but I'll give you a lesson. And then I got really, and then I met all these witches. And so I stumbled into like this witch and warlock world, like from that helmet idea. What? Everything leads to something, and that's such yeah. a funny way to stumble into it. I also I love the randomness of any city, but New York specifically, of 
you get on one subway car instead of another one and you run into that old friend. And if you had gotten on a train later, yeah. you're one car ahead. And so the idea of having these different things, like those helmets are always somewhere in New York, mm-hmm. but then the moments where you just happen to intersect are so fascinating. And it feels when something coincidental like that happens, it feels like, oh, you're spo- this is supposed to happen to you. Yeah. So yeah, I liked I liked the idea of um, of having like this help for decision making or way to understand my feelings or whatever by stumbling into a helmet that I made. And for everyone else that bought a helmet, they'd be entered into the system. And I called it like the human, he called it the human tarot project and had a website for it. And this is from, this is in 2009. There's like blog, there's like random tarot blogs that covered it. Um, So you made a whole 78? No, it was hard to sell. Okay. I mean, they were, they took for a long time to paint. I didn't have, I didn't have money to like purchase all of the plain helmets. Yeah. I only made like, like around 40. Okay. But, and I sold them not just. (laughs) That's not. And I, I also didn't, I couldn't just sell them in New York. Like people in other countries wanted, I I shipped like four to Australia. People in other cities wanted them. And I was like, well, this project should just be in New York for it to work. But like. I can't sell. I and mean, they were each like $250. Yeah. I also got a cease and desist from uh, US game systems like wow. really quickly. Yeah. For, cause I was using the Rider weight deck as like the image source. Is, what happens when you get a cease and desist like that? Did you actually oh, stop? Oh, it was so funny. I actually, um, so they demanded that I send them four helmets. Yeah. Uh, and they wanted like, they actually let me do it, but they wanted a percentage of my revenue because, like, I was like licensed, like, to license yeah. the image. The deck was made in 1909 before copyright law. Right. Uh, they own, like, Stuart Kaplan, head of U.S. Game Systems, realized that Pamela Coleman Smith didn't leave her, didn't have any like heirs, right? Like, she didn't have a will, and so all that stuff was just open. And he decided to take photos of all her artwork and get the copyright on it. Because so now he owns not just. Not just like her tarot illustrations. He owns all of her artwork. It's all Stuart Kaplan. <laughs> you can just take a photo of something and then say, this is my photo yeah. now and I have it. If you are the source of documentation for it, then that is your, that it, you can get a copyright on it. But it's, I mean, this is all contestable in court. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean. I like I, that they wanted four helmets though. They wanted four helmets. What a I, shakedown. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it. But then I was like, okay, I could be funny with this. And I, um sent them I did send them I kind of wanted them to have a helmet in their office yeah and I sent them the two of cups Mm -hmm. uh about like contracts yeah and agreements (laughs) and I thought that was like a kind of a joke like yes I agree I will like we're bringing down the the royalties to five percent and I will report how many I've sold each year and we made all these agreements and you get the two of cups yeah and then I was imagining like wait maybe I wasn't the only person who had this idea maybe they have a closet full of merch (laughs) that are all two of cups (laughs) (laughs) like anyone who's ever got a cease and desist that's the thing yeah they all thought of the same joke like what is the tarot card that represents contracts two of cups yeah (laughs) it's got like water bottles t-shirts i was thinking of sending them like a tower like it's like you get four tower helmets as the the middle finger maybe they've got a mix of two of cups and And tower and death i don't know Three of three of swords for breaking my heart. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So what other so what other pranks have you been doing? Oh, uh, I I forget. I have to like consult a list. Um, let's see what pranks have I done recently. Um, 
like the mask, the face mask thing wasn't entirely a prank. I've been doing a lot of coronavirus pranks because I think like coronavirus just fairly like resonates with me. Yeah. It's going to be so funny for all the listeners that are listening from like 20 years from now. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, this is before everyone died of coronavirus. Yeah. I had been like, I was pretty obsessed with, um, with like typhoid era New York because mm, I was mm-hmm. researching typhoid Mary for mm-hmm. like a talk a few years ago. Uh, and also I got, I got mono a few years ago and spent some time in sort of self quarantine. Yeah, mono. And so fun. like just the virus happening kind of I also got mono while while I was in China. So I mm. like when I read about uh I can I went to the hospital and a bunch of doctors, so I sort of like can relate to people being sick in China. Yeah. Um and uh, so yeah, the the coronavirus has resonated with me, so I've done like three joke projects so you, you made, you made the face mask where it i was... made i created a face mask a rest an n95 respirator mask that looks like your face mm-hmm. uh so that you can unlock your phone with it yeah which is super dystopian because face face recognition is everywhere is, is yeah it's also um, dystopian and uh i was i did it as a joke but i getting so many inquiries for them yeah yeah so I might make them real. I don't know. Shark Tank wants me to pitch it, which would be like just funny to be on Shark Tank. Uh, but intended it to be dystopian. I made the company seem like it was awful. Yeah. And that's why it got attention because people hated it. Uh, but then people like it. It's like anything that's both hated and anything that people like retweet or uh, post because they're mad about it then makes its way to people who appreciate it. <laughs> that's so funny that you, you did that intentionally because that's really the, like the polarized state of the world right now. There's so many articles where you just you can tell that it's just trying to jab somebody. Yeah. And they're like, Here's why the movie you like is bad. Yep. Top 10 reasons why Austin is overrated. And it's like, this is, you know that this is just going to be hate shared by the people in that community. Oh, yeah. The which then like, gets you the viral like, lift. The fuck? Yeah. yeah, totally. I, I mean, can't believe of, this. Yeah, the yeah, outrage how share. awful growth hacky we've all, we've become. Yeah. Where we have to be extreme on the internet in order to talk about a very simple thing. You have to irritate people. <laughs> yeah. You got to rub yeah, the fur the wrong how, way. That's how the, that's how these networks were designed yeah Yeah. so there's the mask there's quarantine chat yeah i've been doing i guess another sort of prank thing i've been running the decruiter for like the last year and people are still scheduling appointments with me what's the decruiter it's the opposite of a recruiting agency so it's like you have to qualify to quit your job so it's people that are on the fence about quitting and they schedule an appointment with a with a decruiter yeah and i ask them like like hey i'm with like you know i represent eighty thousand people who are self-employed i tell them a little bit about my my side like Mm -hmm. what it's like to be self-employed or like not have a job yeah and then i see if they qualify so i'm like what will you do with your free time and um most people have not qualified do people where do people find it and do they are they doing it as like a joke for themselves or like how do what is the motivation, do you feel, the people that call in? Uh, some people thought it was entirely a joke, entered their phone number into a Calendly and didn't think I'd call. And they'd be like, what? Yeah. This is real? And I'd be like, yes, I'm yeah. part of the recruiting agency. <laughs> like, you have an appointment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I think it's kind of spread through word of mouth. Yeah. I've, like, t- I've told people about it. It's on the internet a little bit. There's no articles about it. But it, that's why I only get like three appointments per year. Yeah. But I talk to people who are super conflicted about like, you know, they... 
they're not aligned with their with their company's values yeah. or they feel like they have a greater mission and it's very interesting to like consult those people it's it's something that i i, I think about a lot cuz it's I think there's this very dominant message in the world right now where the idea of working for somebody else's company is less valuable and prestigious than this fantasy we have of like the independent creator. And oh, yeah. It's, you know, but it's, it's actually, it could be way more liberating to work for someone else's company. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's there's so much yeah. of the struggle that goes into being an independent creator that gets yeah, ignored totally. when you're trying to sell people on the fantasy that, you should have an Instagram account that goes viral and then you become an influencer. And then, totally. And if you were just smart enough, you could just do that. And what's wrong with you? Why are you still waiting tables yeah. or working um, at a hospital when you could be uh, yeah. a, a YouTuber? But is it even great on the other side? I know like very stressed out YouTube, influ- YouTube influencers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, good. I'm glad the recruiting agency is helping. Yeah, helping. it's only only one person. I think I've talked to like I don't know ten people, and only one person has ever qualified. What 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 made them qualify? Um, they had a very serious plan of like how they would spend their next three months mm-hmm. while simultaneously looking for another job, and it seemed like they reached a point at that company where they've like done everything they could to yeah. help the company, and they weren't like growing there, and they just they seemed on top of how they'd structure each day. I think if someone tells me like, oh, well, I'm going to wake up at this time and then here's what I would do. And then here's all these side projects that I've had. But a lot of people are like, I don't know, maybe start a company or like, it's like so abstract. I'm like, well, if I gave you $100,000, what company would it be? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, mean, it's it's very seductive. I think those fantasies, they stay cloudy and vague and then we just kind of swim in there yeah. and it feels nice to sort of conceive of it, which is very different than the boring hard work that it takes to actually like bring something out of those clouds and be like, I'm going to make this yeah. somewhat substantial. Yeah. It's interesting. I think I started, I started doing this cause I've never, um, I've never had a job at a company. Yeah. I've always been self-employed and wanted a job for many years. I mean, I've, I applied in the last decade. I've applied to hundreds of jobs. Wow. And I'm too weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I can play the game correctly. It's just I get to the final stages of the interview and I say something that's really weird because I like actually should, probably shouldn't be working there. <laughs> so like, I'm going to flip the recruiting thing. So like it, uh, as the gateway into the working world, yeah. if you could have any job, what would it be? Well, I feel like I have. I mean, I, I'm, I'm running all of my projects and I'm able to No, I know, no, I know. Oh, a job, a job, yeah, a job, yeah, yeah, job. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually want to be a locksmith. Ooh, I all th- right. I love... One of my favorite things is when there's some situation where, like, a neighbor or some random person is like, want to see my apartment? Yeah. Like, I just love opening up a door, and it's every... Every apartment's different. Mm-hmm. Like, every... It's like a portal, and you can see someone's world. And if you're a locksmith, you're helping someone unlock their door, which is a great service. Yeah. And then you get a glimpse and like, I would, you don't linger and, and snoop or like talk to them. Though I, I'm good at fine at small talk. You, I'd could, get you to, could be the I'd, lingering locksmith. That I'd, could be your whole deal is like you, you get in the door and then you're like, can I use your bathroom? <laughs> oh, this is a great painting. Like, Where is this from? <laughs> um, can I get a like, glass of water? Hey, I brought some ingredients to make dinner if yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got some like garlic. If you, you what do you have? Like, yeah, yeah I could do that. Um, I have some I, chips and hummus in the car. Let me grab it. I'll be right back. <laughs> That's a great idea. 
Uh, it's actually very hard to become a train to become a locksmith. It's sort of an apprenticeship, right? Um, sort of business. It seems like it's it's mostly men, uh, and it seems like it's something your grandfather <laughs> teaches you, and then you take and then you take over the business. So it's hard to enter at, with like no connection to locksmithing. It also I also really like this. Um, as a career, because it's timeless, mm-hmm. people will be, humans are going to be using doors forever. Yeah. You have to block people out of walking places. Yeah. And people will lose their keys forever. <laughs> Even if it's all digital, there'll like be some issue. You'll where still they can't need get the, the person that's going to come door. and run through and the RFID feels, frequencies and get yeah, you in there. And it feels just so much like saving someone's life when they're locked out. Yeah. It's an interesting thing, too, because it's like you. We all have the fantasy of like the lock pick and like oh yeah that's I love doing that in video games and stuff like like looting yeah opening up trunks open up trunks and that yeah but then really you you are learning about this part of the world that no one thinks about like most doors have handles and if a if a door has a lock that is something that is a known entity it is it is a model it came from a catalog of locks and that you have to know and be literate in that world so you can recognize you're like ah this is a standard deadbolt here's the way to get through that versus ah this is this crazy other lock that you don't see often but i've had to go research and i have to go i have to stay up on the new locks yeah it's interesting i i think like there's also the types of keys right like like different widths and um, I think a lot of people don't even know what kind of keys they, they use the same key every day and they don't even know what kind of key it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's it's similar to what you were saying about like people's apartments where in a city, it's this honeycomb where all of the really interesting stuff is kind of tucked away inside of buildings. So you have this street level view of all the storefronts and then the people on the street, mm-hmm. but you never know what's inside of that building and then even oh, what's yeah. inside of each apartment. And I, I feel like I've I've been lucky in my life to get gl- to be invited to places, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yes. This exists, and it was right in front of me. Like random neighbors in the East Village who had like rent control apartments from the 1960s with a bathtub in their kitchen, still in like 2014, wow. and like I didn't know that that was like right next to me. Yeah. Um. And I've had that experience. I mean, I'm very uh, I'm very trusting with like just entering people's apartments because mm-hmm. I feel like I could get out if I needed yeah. to. But it's always led me to interesting places. I've never felt uncomfortable in someone's place. Um. I think yeah. that's one of my favorite definitions of the occult is that which is hidden or obscure. And I think it doesn't have to just be the stuff that's in the occult bookstore, but it's like, what are the parts of this world that are hiding just up in around the corner inside someone's apartment or mm-hmm. the, the garden that exists for this private corporate office on top of their roof yeah. or all of the little hidden weird spaces that are, are just totally. outside of our normal um yeah lines and storefronts yeah and i feel like that experience of discovering a room you never know existed in a building you're in um like makes you believe that there's even more portals not necessarily in physical spaces but just if some you believe the word you believe the space to be a certain way mm-hmm. for example I, I i was in a co-working space in the Flatiron district and I had explored, it was like Psychology Today was in there and there was a bunch of op, like different offices. And um, one day I, oh, I had an alert when there was an interesting sunset. Yeah. Like I created a thing that if enough Instagram hashtags for sunset NYC appeared, I'd get an alert on my phone so I could go out and look at the sunset. <laughs> and uh, I got an alert that there was a nice sunset. So I ran up 
to the top of the building to go to the roof. And that that evening, the door on the 12th floor, which was normally kind of like a permanently locked door, was mm-hmm. ajar. And I went inside and it was like this sort of like 1970s therapist's office that had been taken apart and was like under construction. Oh, weird. It had like old floral wallpaper. It was so different than all the other offices. The building was super modern. Yeah. And um, it had like uh sky it was the top floor so it was the penthouse i guess they probably they probably had like the sweetest rent control space for many years and i don't know how long it had been abandoned maybe like 10 years had like a dusty chair and it's so it amazing was that something's full, abandoned full still full of things like still has it wasn't many objects but yeah. like when you move out of a place sometimes you're like i can't drag this desk down yeah. like it won't fit in the freight elevator i don't know uh but there was like old wallpaper and it was like super dusty but like it had, it was full of light, and I could watch the sunset from the from the windows. Yeah. And I was like, "This is crazy. This exists. I could just be here." Yeah. And then I like ran downstairs and told everyone in my office yeah. to like come up, like and see it. And I took them up to the, throughout the next two weeks. I wow. came up there all the time. Um, I would yeah i would just like go up there with like nothing and sit and stare out the window and be like this is my private lair like your no room of requirement like, especially in new york where there's like cramped every place is cramped mm-hmm. and you're sharing all your public spaces it's fascinating to to get like two thousand square feet to yourself and you know no one can bother you and no one knows where you are but that that experience of like whoa this has always existed in the building and i didn't know is like such a it's such like a it's a very magical feeling mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I've had, I, I, I'm very unobservant in some ways, and I'll have that experience of like walking, and I'm like, "Has that mural always been by my mm. house? Like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, how have I lived here for two years? Yeah. And I've walked past it a hundred times, and I've just never totally turned and noticed it and looked at the thing. Yeah, that's why I also think it's important to leave to leave things places yep. so mm-hmm. that other people can discover it. Yeah, um, I have like I leave um, a telephone in a window on Market Street. There's like a red phone and uh-huh. then a phone number. Uh, that says you'll uh, connect with a random person and it, this street has a lot of foot traffic and yeah. not many people call it three people a day and it's always like is it your number or what's the it's a toy no it's like a toy yeah it calls my phone but they don't see my phone number gotcha. it, yeah. it's rooted through twilio and call rail yeah i did a bunch of things so that if i don't pick up they get a message and then a text yeah. anyway it does connect them to me and then I connect them to each other yeah. on Sundays. Yeah. Uh, but they co- talk to me first. And typically the story is like that person is having an unusual day where they ta- they're taking a different path home. Yep. And they notice this, but they're like, I've been in this area for a long time and I've never seen it. Why? Yeah. And I get to be on the other side of people having a day where they're like observing things differently. Well, that is the magic that I think we all have access to just on the other side of this very thin veil of we get stuck in our routines and our patterns mm-hmm. and we we trudge to work the same way. And when you invite a little bit of that chaos and randomness, it leads you down a different path. And then you find that amazing, startling thing yeah. that um, you're like, how does this even exist? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I haven't done it yet, but I found out about this thing called rando nodding. Where oh. Have you heard about this? I mean, I do... Well, is it going to random places? It's like there's like an app that like is gets it you like. 
it, it has like it, it has something where it, yeah it gives you like coordinates and then you can oh interesting i mean i haven't my friend max uh lived in random places for three years who i work on dial up with okay he's obsessed with randomness how do you uh, how did he live in random places he had um he like it was google flights he like it was under a certain price range he'd fly yeah. to wherever it told him to wow and then he chose random airbnbs all under a certain price range, but he yeah. lived this way for three years. Whoa! Random cities. He just. Tra- I mean, he worked free. He worked like freelance. Yeah. So he could live anywhere. He also went. He went to random Facebook events. Ate random food. He was like full time random for three years. Not so much anymore. But he made an app that sends you to random Google Maps destinations, yeah. uh, which I've been using for a few years. Oh, cool! I kind of because we work together. Yeah. Randomness is just part of our lives, mm-hmm. and is so normal to me when he's in town we'll eat at random restaurants like yeah. it's going doing a random thing is just that's just how you make decisions it's so i actually use offbot frequently if you're looking for a place to eat lunch today offbot can choose you can choose cafe restaurant bar park or random store oh that's fascinating um, and it's great to do on like road trips or if or even in your own neighborhood, because you're well, like, that's I, I didn't know there was a nail salon here. Let me. The bot told me to go here and talk to someone. Yeah, I'm. I don't want a manicure. I'm just gonna go visit the nail salon and see what happens. Yeah. Um. And if you sort of believe, oh, I'm supposed to be here, like then something like an interesting conversation could happen well i think when you travel that happens a lot because you're in a space where you don't have your normal routines yeah. holding you in and so everything feels like crazy and synchronistic and you're like oh my god the last three days have been like so astounding totally because everything There's is nothing. new yes but then when you're in a place that is becoming stale and you're yeah your pattern has replaced the actual raw experience of the world then that randomness makes you go to that little weird cafe that you would never You've walked oh, by, yeah. but you've never considered walking into es- it. Yeah, especially for, I, I actually have, I feel like I have a gut reaction to a lot of the suggestions, and I'm like, I don't want to go, but then yeah. I go. Yeah. And then it's like really cool. Yeah, that uh, resistance is a very events. funny part of it. What? That, that resistance. There's like, a, I've, yeah. I've experienced, it's, it's such a funny feeling because it's like this pull in the opposite direction that I have to fight against, and then I end up going through like I call the number I I go to the thing I like I push through it and then it always ends up being like so cool and valuable and it's a different feeling than when it's like I'm tired and I don't want to go out and I have like a good reason it's like yeah oh, I'm so resistant to this but there's no good reason so I think of, I need to totally it's sort of a fear but then you realize yeah especially for uh random events like I once I was I was uh, in Las Vegas for CES mm-hmm. and they had all these like awful networking events. I'm like, I just want to get off the strip. Yeah. And so I used I used a bot that Max that Max created that scraped Facebook for random events. Yeah. And then you know told you what to go to, and it picked like snowflake making workshop at this clay studio, like kind of I don't know, 15 minute drive away in a strip mall. Wow. And I was like. I don't want to make snowflakes. That sounds awful. I was just, and then, and then I also thought like, oh, it's by like the Las Vegas, Vegas artist guild. Like I'm not supposed to come. I'm not part of the community here. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, they made this an event. They want people to show up. Well, there's absolutely no harm in showing up. I'm just going to go. Yeah. And it was pretty awesome. 
Um, I got to learn about like the Las Vegas art scene and like issues they're facing financially. I got to meet painters and a ceramicist and someone there invited me to a bar to meet her friends. And I had like a whole night with just like locals Yeah, and the snowflakes were beautiful. Like, I thought it was late. I thought it was going to be lame or like mm-hmm. this is a silly craft. But then I looked, I went and like they were super intricately cut and she just she didn't do just like snowflakes. She had like animals like that, like tessellated yeah. and they were beautiful. And she's not like a well-known artist, like not on Instagram. Uh, most people at the event were like, I don't know, in their 70s, like kind of offline. Mm-hmm. And I really admired their craftsmanship. And then I felt like, oh, not just not just was it a good event and did I have like this whole special night, but I felt like, oh, it's okay if I make artwork just kind of secretly and privately because I find it fun and aesthetically beautiful and yeah. it's like a nice crafting challenge. And so I was sort of like from that event inspired to like get into more like plein air watercolor painting and do other stuff that's not like, oh, this has to be like this large art project which i think i think brings us back around to that idea of tarot whenever you do a tarot reading even if it's just a single card that's one in 78 if you have a 78 Mm -hmm. card deck and if you take that card and you take some form of action on it your life goes in a different direction Mm -hmm. so that moment when you sit down to do the reading your reality split into 78 possibilities and you're having to have the faith that the card that you've drawn is the one that's worth following, not then continuously drawn another, another, another card, and then it kind of skews it. Yeah. So I think with the randomness, it's not just hitting refresh, 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 but it's going and saying, all right, this is the snowflake thing, totally. and here I am. And then a year yeah. later, you're doing watercolor because you didn't get the uh, Tea Drinkers Ladies Society of Las Vegas oh, yeah. event invite. Totally. Yeah, and it's like, but maybe that would have been an interesting path too, right? Like, yeah. Well, I think this is a perfect point to dive into our spell. Oh, cool. And so what can the listeners at home and in the future and in the past uh, do to access wizardry? What would you invite them to take on? That's interesting. Um, I have a bunch of, uh, okay, I'll do like a really, it, it has to be like a very practical, not practical, but like an easy thing you can do with the resources you have. I would say accessible. Yeah. Okay. We, we like to not do like, well, you have to climb the sacred mountain at dawn yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Because everyone doesn't live right next to a sacred mountain. And then it's mm-hmm. like you have to yeah. find the time to go and Google map it. It's a whole thing. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, this is uh, what I consider to be a spell. Uh, that two friends invented that I'd like to uh, talk about. Uh, my friends, uh, yeah, Max Hawkins and Will Donlin uh, used to do this. Um, you go into any shop and you 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 take the calculator on your phone and there's a random um, there's like a, a random number setting, mm. but it does it just does d- zero through one. Yeah. So it chooses a decimal. Um, if you don't have this feature on your iPhone, you can you find can a random. random number generator. Yeah. And if the number is um, less than 0.5, you go to a certain side of the store. If it's over than uh, 0.5, you go to another side of the store. So you constantly divide the store into quadrants. Yeah. Or not quadrants, into halves. Yeah. Right? So like it'll take you, if you go to Safeway. You could do this on a coin almost. You could just be like left or right. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. You you could use a coin. I often find it, I don't know, 
it's like maybe I don't have a coin. I, I, I'm a, like, I have my phone and I don't always have a coin, but I mm-hmm. always have my phone. But yes, you can use a penny and you can flip it. And, That's um, so funny to think on, like, like, like we are now at a thing where we're like, well, I always have a phone on me, but a coin, good lord, whereas people would have been like... <laughs> I emptied the change out of my yeah. pocket yesterday, yeah. I don't have any pennies. Um, find a, look, Go search for a penny if you want this to be more special. Climb the sacred mountain, yes. obtain a coin, obtain a and coin. then you can do this. Yes. Ask, right. the, ask the shop if they have change for a dollar to get a quarter. Right. Um, and uh, you, you keep dividing the store into halves, so mm-hmm. it takes you down an aisle. Like then you're like, oh, left side of the aisle, right side of the aisle. Yeah. You keep doing this. Um, and your goal is to pinpoint on one item. And then when you find that item, uh, you don't need to buy it. But you really have to contemplate how that item fits into your life. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Potentially there's a twist on this where you could ask a question before you even start. Mm-hmm. Which I, I like doing this with divination methods. Is that before you do any sort of uh, way to derive one answer. So you ask a question. Yeah. Sure. As opposed to it being like, I'm going to find the answer then figure out how it fits into my life. You can ask a question, any question, divine the object, and that object somehow is your answer, even if it's a can of string beans. Retail Nancy. Yes, it's re- it's retail Nancy. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and it's you could potentially like you know find a list of ten thousand random items and draw one, but I actually like the ritual of constantly dividing things. Oh into yeah, halves. And if you're with a group of friends, which is funny because I, I do this, I do this with friends, which I realize is <laughs> like if I'm walking with friends and we pass a grocery store, I'm like, oh, let's do this fun exercise. Yeah. I'm very lucky that I have friends that will just do some retail Nancy at Safeway yeah. without needing to buy anything. And we have a journey through Safeway because it takes a while, especially in a large store. If you're doing this in Walmart to constantly divide things into halves takes a long time. You also have to decide like, is it the left? Look at that, that red sign. Yeah. You have to like find you have landmarks, to figure out what's the, what's the what half halves first. are. And I think any really long drawn out process for deriving one thing makes it kind of more exciting, right? Like sometimes it could take 10 minutes to find that item. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go do it in one of those boutiques in New York where they have like three shirts for sale in yeah. Soho. Yeah. yeah. It's also funny when like you look really confused because you're like trying to count the shelves and then like some like someone yeah. who works there is like, do you need help finding something? And we're like, no, we're just dowsing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They call it dowsing too, like uh, like object dowsing. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Danielle. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. For more of Danielle's work, visit daniellebaskin.com. And to sign up for Wizard Chat, visit wizardsofthecoast.org. And for you ritual participants, we've got some very special bonus content at patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual, documenting the historic Wizards of the Coast magic gathering that just occurred, one that will surely be heralded in the history books as a defining moment in the emergence of 21st century wizardry. You can hear my keynote speech, our collaborative work of human divination, and some beautiful music by San Fran's soul warriors, Wes Leslie and Solstice. Oh, what's that? You're not a ritual participant yet? Well, have no fear, dear listener. That can be remedied in a moment by offering up a sacrifice of just $4.20 at patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual, 
which not only makes you a full and active participant in the ongoing magic we're creating here, it gives you access to the bonus of content that we've been releasing, including deep dives into the mythology of gnomes and Spider-Man, this recent content from Wizards of the Coast, and so much more. So until next time, I'm Devin Person. May your pranks be playful and your wizardry be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs>